0: It's time to take the quiz. 5 questions, 5 minutes a day, 5 days a week.
1: Take the quiz every weekday at the quiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course listen to the quiz at the quiz.fox.
2: Now from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson show with Guy Benson.
3: Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy. Guy will be back soon. Guy offers smart, as you know, fast-paced political and cultural insights from the right-leaning perspective. Guy blends major newsmaker guests, which we're going to parade. They will be on parade today on the Guy Benson Show, a steady stream of Fox News All-Stars with passionate and informed monologues that Guy brings you on a daily basis. The Guy Benson Show is one of the most relevant nationally syndicated radio talk shows in America. Guy Benson, one of the top 100 most important talk radio hosts in America, Fox News contributor at all. And you can follow Guy uh, on all of his social media handles, uh, easy to locate, and a lot of great content that I know Dan and the team work and wide everybody, Christine works very, very hard to put together on Guy's website. Well, there's nowhere to begin today on the Guy Benson Show than to give you a little idea of exactly if you have or haven't been paying a lot of attention. And I can tell you that we went to the Google search interest on the topic of Russia. And this is by each congressional district in America. And we went back to February 7th through the 14th right till Valentine's Day, and then February 14th through the 21st. And the search interest level is broken down. It's color-coded between very low interest, which is basically almost no interest, low interest, medium, high, or very high interest. If you look, and this this really, this data is extremely telling. If you look just what what is today, today is... The 23rd, you go back less than two weeks ago, there was little to no interest in Russia, Russia, Ukraine. February 14th through the 21st, America is lit up like a Christmas tree. A tremendous amount of very bright red, which is very high. A tremendous amount of orange, which is high. Medium is a lower color, lighter orange grade. And then you have low in an amber sort of color and very low is almost It's a yellowish, almost whitish look where there's very little interest. And believe it or not, there are still full states where the entire state, I can count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven or so, where there's very low interest, even as of two days ago. Now, obviously, in just two days, a lot has changed. There have been some sanctions. Uh, Fox News Channel reporter. He's just absolutely terrific. You talk about any type of border issue, southern border, uh, Canadian border, the border of Russia and Ukraine, and Griff Jenkins is all over it. And he has been reporting on the Fox News Channel and on Fox News Radio about the president's initial moves. A lot of people, including United States Senator Ben Sass, and he's no fan of President Trump, so this is not with him. This isn't politics with him because he's not afraid to take a shot at the other side. He's done it. Uh, He says, too little, too late. I tend to agree. Uh, I am one that I have my own particular leanings, of course, as you do. But when the chips are down, I root for my president. I root for my country, because if Joe Biden succeeds, if President Biden succeeds, we succeed. And if he fails, then we fail. And already, America, over the past 13 months, has had to endure a lot of bad news, high energy prices. Now, look, when you go from 13 months ago being energy independent and a net oil exporter to now begging Russia to open up more and OPEC to, you know, open the spigot more, that's not going to be a very good situation, particularly now when you have a Russia crisis. Now, to date, to the minute, in my view, the strongest sanction, the strongest move yet had nothing to do with the American president. And there's no mistaking this. The world expects the American president to lead. And then not necessarily they just follow monolithically, but a persuasive American president, like when President Reagan said Gaddafi thought that we would step down or stand down or be weak, and he, he calculated wrong. And you didn't hear anything from, from Gaddafi for 30 years strength peace through strength enemies always prey upon weakness or perceived weakness and so far the response and it has been i think too little too late i think that senator sass is right about that i do think it's fair to say that one political side always says either if somebody's in a crisis and they say after they co- You have to comment, and then when they comment, they say, oh, there's more questions now than answers, so that you – the Kobayashi Maru, if you're a Star Trek fan, the no-win scenario, you just can't win. You say nothing, you lose. You say something, then they say there's more you know, questions you've raised now than answers that you've given. But I think the initial response is too late, too light, and more should have been done in advance. President Biden has had the Putin playbook. There's, this has been telegraphed. And don't think about this, these independent areas that Putin declared. And this is just his drawbridge to get to where he wants to get. And we know it's it's unserious. He is speaking about Russia. We are peacekeepers and uh, chastising Ukraine that they need to demilitarize, that they need to decommunize. I mean, it's it's just absurd. What Vladimir Putin is willing to say and what he's willing to do, but he has an ambition here. And I'm a big fan of past his prologue. If you go back to 2014, the sanctions were not near enough. Putin accomplished his objective. He invaded Ukraine. He annexed Crimea and he got away with it. And if you go back just a little while ago, for those who were paying attention to this, I know the guy, Benson Show Universe, you you are the top 99.9 infinity percent of informed citizens in America. You know what goes. You know what's happening. So you know that there were 75,000 troops knocking on the door at the border of Ukraine and Putin and some of this crazy language that he speaks said that they were just doing military exercises. That was not true. He was doing a military buildup. That was true. And what happened? Nothing happened. So he threw threw down with another 75,000 on top of that. And I understand 30,000 more. It's hard to say, because they're busy doing things and then saying the opposite of what they're doing. They, they fake that they want diplomacy. That doesn't appear to be true. I have to say, I also think that Anthony Blinken, and there is fantastical audio of the late Senator John McCain when Anthony Blinken was up for an assistant secretary position, ripping him to shreds over being incompetent. And not qualified to be an assistant secretary. And now he is the secretary of state and I'm rooting for him. But I have to say, when I see him out there on the world stage, he does not inspire confidence. This administration does not inspire confidence. How about every other day we were hearing uh, that war is imminent? And then it wasn't. And then war is imminent again. And then it wasn't. And obviously it's imminent again. Later today on the Guy Benson show... We will be hearing from one of the best in the business, Trey Yenxt. He's in Ukraine. You've got Fox News, I mean, extraordinary war and wartime reporters. Like Trey Yenxt, like Lucas Tomlinson, he's there as well. Lucas is in the western portion of Ukraine. I saw Trey in in video that I'll never forget from the Fox News channel about two days ago, I guess it was. And he was so courageous, and he had a crew with him. I believe it was a Ukrainian crew that was with him. And he was just fearless and on the move and in charge. And th- this this is an amazing individual that our team here of Christine Wyatt and Dan reminded me when Trey Yingst was embedded with the Taliban. So do not. Do not leave the Guy Benson show today. It's a big news day. There's a lot of very important guests that are coming up one after the other after the other. Not to be missed with the extremely important content with up to the minute analysis of what is happening. Let's take a peek, though. I always think it's fair. The American president is the leader of the free world. We only have one president at a time. I've accepted the results of the election a long time ago that the president is Joe Biden. I want my president to succeed. I don't wish for him to fail. I believe America is going to make a course correction on November 8th, and that's just going to happen organically. Russia, Ukraine, that's not going to change what's going to happen here in America relative to that. I can tell you, get ready. It probably will cost you a lot more at the pump in the not-too-distant future. I know some of the The team knows New Jersey very, very well, as do I. And in the most northern portion of the state of New Jersey, my home state, there's a gas station where it is now 5 dollars and ninety-nine point nine cents a gallon as of about a week ago. That's pre-any Russia type of impact. This is why it was so important for America to be energy independent, and we were in the just catbird seat to the extent that we were a net oil exporter. This is what the president had to say in terms of basically where we are. Cut one, Dan.
4: This is the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, as he indicated and asked permission to be able to do from his Duma. I'm going to begin to impose sanctions in response far beyond the steps we and our allies and partners implemented in 2014 and if russia goes further with this invasion we stand prepared to go further as with sanctions now let's see what does you might wonder what does
3: ukraine want from the united states very important question very good question from fox news channel special report dimitro kuleba the ukrainian foreign minister he tells us what ukraine would like from the united states that's cut 11 dan and i would like to make it clear that The only weapons Ukraine is looking for are defensive weapons to defend our country. We never ask the United States to send troops to Ukraine. And we have to be absolutely clear. We are not seeking Ukrainian American soldiers on the ground. But uh, it is in the best interests of maintaining world order and protecting U.S. interests abroad to provide as much help to Ukraine as possible. Now, let's bring up back an oldie but goodie, because I don't really trust this individual. Uh, I I considered him very, very dishonest. And and maybe in the line of work he does, maybe he feels that he has a license to be deceptive. But the former director of national intelligence on a CNN appearance, James Clapper. And I think this ties a bow on the 2014 comments that I made earlier on the Guy Benson show. Dan, cut 13. Do you wish that Obama had done harsher, stricter sanctions in 2014?
4: Uh, Yes, I do. I wish we as an administration had uh, been more aggressive in in 2014.
3: That's correct. And I concur. Why weren't you then in 2014? If you forgot, ladies and gentlemen, I haven't. Obama-Biden 1.0, when Ukraine needed a lot of help, Obama-Biden sent them blankets. That is not an exaggeration. That's what we sent them. My goodness. But just to show you, the president is telegraphing because already the pain at the pump is very significant. It's going to get worse as this continues to escalate, if it continues to escalate. And it doesn't seem that there's anything to stop it at this point. It's just a matter of when. And we're going to get some context coming up a little bit later in the Guy Benson show. Cut 14, the president of the United States, on the potential economic pain for the American people.
4: As we respond... My administration is using every tool at our disposal to protect American businesses and consumers from rising prices at the pump. As I said last week, defending freedom will have cost for us as well, and here at home. We need to be honest about that. But as we will do — but as we do this, I'm going to take robust action to make sure the pain of our sanctions is targeted at the Russian economy, not ours.
3: That gives you a little bit of a capsule analysis of where we are right now, almost up to the minute, although clearly there will be likely some developments that will happen before the end of today as well. We'll step aside for just a little bit. We thank you for being with us today. honor to fill in for Guy. Uh, This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy
2: Benson Show. More next.
3: Welcome back. It's the Guy Benson Show with Team Christine. That is Christine, Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy, who has uh, earned a, a, a day off, which clearly he has. And Guy will be back soon. It is the Guy Benson Show. Let's pose a hypothetical question that, of course, those with Trump derangement syndrome, there was actually somebody on one of those crazy... Left of center uh, cable networks with with very few listeners left viewers, who said this is Trump's fault. Trump is the reason that this is happening, which is really incoherent. It's intellectually dishonest. It's bizarre. It's it's not serious, but they say it because if you can blame that's that's the rules for radicals. If you can blame someone else, then you're out of it. You just you're in the clear. Let's pose the hypothetical question. If President Trump were still in office, and let me just – I don't feel that I have to do this, but I want to do this on The Guy Benson Show. I don't mention this uh, very often. It's not that I'm not proud of it. I'm very proud of it. I was interviewed by President Trump. I was hired by President Trump, and I was the senior hotel executive for one of his beautiful Atlantic City casinos. And I was with him for about two and a half years, and I only left to start a radio career. I left on the best of terms, and we remain friends to this day. It was half my life ago, but I was a senior executive for President Trump. However, what I'm about to say, don't hold that against me, because I would say this regardless. And I've been quick to say if I ever thought that there was a tweet or something that was stopping what would have been momentum the other way, because if the president speaks and says something, then they have an excuse to cover him, and I would cover these things honestly. If President Trump were the president right now, I do not believe this would be happening. Now, you cannot prove a hypothetical, but you can submit evidence. President Trump, the 45th and some believe the 47th president of the United States. President Trump was president for four years. There was none of this. All of this provocative stuff was very well kept in check. Because even though he doesn't get credit for it, in some respects, President Trump was Reaganesque. trust but verify, peace through strength. Very similar in that respect. Is it a coincidence that for four years Putin made no move on Ukraine? Is it a coincidence that this has been in the works for quite a while, so it wasn't like it happened on, in the 13 month. 13th month? of the Biden presidency. So I submit to you, I I don't know about you, but I will speak for me. I don't believe in coincidences. There's always something more. Oh my gosh, how'd that happen? That was a coincidence. I don't think so. Nothing like this happened for four years, and it happened in the first year of Joe Biden. I submit that to the fair jury of the Guy Benson show, as I know it's anecdotal, but as evidence, that this would not be happening if Trump were president. This is The Guy Benson Show.
2: talking about the issues you care about guy benson
3: welcome back to the guy benson show with christine wyatt and dan harry hurley filling in today guy will be back real soon so don't worry big news day here on the guy benson show and standing by on the guy benson show newsmaker hotline is one of my favorites uh liz peak a fox news contributor and columnist for foxnews.com and liz's latest column that i read with um great interest and she look she calls it like it is, and from the headline to the story that marries to it, the weakness of the American president is a big deal. The world looks to the leader of the free world, and absent that leadership, look out. I mean, it's a little scary when the toughest thing that's happened so far is uh, – and would you have expected it? Maybe, maybe not. Olaf Schultz, the German chancellor, I'm going to give him the big move of the week so far – for shutting down the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Now, the American president, I believe, should have stepped up well in advance of this. Liz Peek, welcome to Guy's program. How are you?
5: I'm great. Thanks for having me on.
3: It is a pleasure. Loved your column. And as usual, uh, you hit the nail on the head. American weakness is a very dangerous situation, isn't it?
5: Well, I, I, yes, absolutely. And, and I think everyone should sort of just take a moment and think, would this be happening, this invasion of Ukraine by this power-mad Vladimir Putin, would this be happening if Donald Trump were in the Oval Office? And I have to say, I really, I seriously think that would that, that it would not. I, I think that people like Putin and President Xi of China uh, were— were scared of Trump. They didn't know what to expect from him. One of my favorite things that Trump did uh, during his four years was host President Xi of China at Mar-a-Lago. First time they met, had a formal dinner, very fancy, all kinds of nice things going on, wives included, etc. Trump excuses himself from the dinner table. I wrote about this not long ago because I just think it's such a great memory. Comes back and tells Xi that they bombed Syria, that we have just bombed Syria. And you know, for the Chinese who don't like surprises, who want everything scripted and very much a, uh, according to a plan, etc., it was shocking. It was shocking. And then President Trump went right ahead and started talking about how great the chocolate cake was. I mean, it was so yeah, yeah, spectacular. Or, yeah, or the it second totally bowl of ice threw, cream. that,
3: Yeah, the media made a right, big deal. It, yeah, second bowl of ice cream totally was the deal breaker.
5: Totally on his back foot. It, it signaled to the world, to Xi and Putin and other thuggish leaders that we were not to be trifled with. And I think the problem you have right now, when when Joe Biden became president, the signal, the the, the only unifying theme of his presidency has been to undo everything Trump did. And the second thing that's, that has been the hallmark of this presidency is to kowtow to the progressive left. Maybe Biden really believes all that stuff that he is committed to doing, or maybe he's just too weak to push back Against Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and AOC, I cannot imagine that Biden uh, really wants to appoint someone who went to the University of Moscow to, you know, be our a, a, a financial regulator, our control of the currency. I can't believe right. that he really believes all this junk that he's doing. But if he doesn't, then he's too weak to govern, and I think that's where we are now. Remember, the mo- the first encounter. That Biden had with Putin was because Biden called and begged to have a bilateral meeting with President Putin. Yeah. I mean, this doesn't happen. The president of the United States is not supposed to ask to have a meeting with a petty despot like Vladimir Putin. And that is what he is. Liz, uh, a despot, by the way, that we are yeah. enriching every single day. But that's anyway, right. That's even. right.
3: Now, I'm, I'm buying door number two because I agree with you. Biden was never <laughs> President Biden was never. Uh, that left of center hard left before. So we know what that is. It's as you say in your second scenario. And incidentally, you don't know this. But earlier in the Guy Benson show, I went out on a limb and said the same thing that you said. I posed the question. If Donald Trump were still the president of the United States, would this be happening right now? And I obviously you cannot prove a hypothetical. But I said, I believe that I basically can because President Trump for four years the, Putin didn't look once towards doing something like this. Uh, And within the year, because it didn't start in the 13th month of Biden, this was underway for a while, as you know. So in the first year of Biden, Putin does this. Four years of Trump, he doesn't even think about doing it. So I said what you said. I think it's defendable. I think we back it up with fact.
5: Well, I think that's right. And it's a pattern, right? It's not just Putin, after all. It's also Xi. Xi has yeah. become increasingly aggressive, buzzing uh, Taiwan and, enc- and encroaching on their their, uh, their airspace and, and physical space. I mean, they have been about as aggressive around Taiwan's uh, territory as they possibly could be. And, you know, a lot of people are concerned that that will be the next target. Even North, North Korea, At the, <laughs> the lunatic in charge of North Korea. Kind of step back from all the nuclear tests and so forth for the period of time that Trump was in the White House. Uh, I don't, and, and now, of course, has picked those things back up again. Look at the Ayatollahs bombing, the, you know, people, it isn't being reported here because the, the Biden administration is desperate to get back into what was a seriously flawed uh, Iran, Iranian nuclear deal, the JCPOA. And because of that, we're not hearing about all the things that. Iran and their minions are doing in the Middle East in terms of bombing pipelines and bombing Saudi Arabia, et cetera. I mean these are bad actors, and they see what's in the White House. They see a president who has to be forgive me led by his wife's hand when he goes from point A to point B across the grounds of the white House lawn i mean it's pretty staggering and uh oh I mean honestly, I think Americans are very unhappy with the situation we have now. Um, We've got Biden for the next, amazingly, three years, and we're just going to have to hope that Republicans take over the Senate and the House with such forcefulness and such numbers that they can really just shut down a lot of the stuff that this guy wants to do.
3: Amen. We are listening and visiting with Liz Peek on The Guy Benson Show, on The Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. I've been floating a scenario this week for the last couple of days. I can't believe that we I, – I, I guess I like you so much because we think so much alike. I've been putting <laughs> out a scenario. See so yeah, how you like this one. It's, it's really okay. – it's going to sound like I'm just copying what you said, but I actually have said this on my own. I, uh, I had help with some of the names, but – it's like the Batman villains, it's like the Legion of Doom. You have basically Putin, Xi, the Mullahs that you mentioned, uh, the Ayatollahs, uh, uh fat boy uh Kim Jong-un lighting off formerly fat boy I guess cuz he's lost some weight, uh lighting off fireworks <laughs> and they're all doing this provocative stuff because they sense weakness. This is this is actually happening in real time.
5: Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's really alarming isn't it? And and unfortunately yeah. now it isn't just a theoretical now we actually have Europe engaged in uh a, what could turn out to be a really horrific military encounter, a war uh in Ukraine. And you know, obviously there's a lot of people who think that, well, that Putin emboldened will go beyond Ukraine. I surely hope not. Um I think Biden has been right to put some US troops in some of the surrounding Countries but unfortunately everyone every other response to this uh, aggression on the part of Putin has been met with not just sort of milk toast uh, sanctions and so forth, but continuing energy policy which makes putin richer yes. it, it, I saw the thing about FERC and the natural gas pipeline. Uh, regulations being amped up, so it's going to be very hard to build any more new natural gas pipelines in our country. Even though we have a hundred-year supply of cheap, relatively clean natural gas, and I, I literally couldn't believe it. I had to read the article three times and think, no, not in the midst of an energy crisis, exactly, and this warfare going on. My Would goodness. Biden do this? And then the freezing of drilling on on federal lands. It's almost incomprehensible yeah he's and telling
3: us we have the capacity as you know 13 months ago we were energy independent and a net oil exporter we have what we need uh, we just have to go get it and he's stopping that in various ways killing the Keystone XL pipeline and making it impossible on you know federal government lands and making it tough who's gonna to build additional oil refinery capacity in this environment Liz so so right. we beg Russia we beg OPEC please please open the spigot and the president is forewarning us two days ago, and you know this, to get ready for higher energy costs because his policies are already failed. And now on top of it, our reliance on this foreign oil and foreign energy uh, will become much more challenging for us. So we're going to pay even more at the pump. Americans right now are getting squeezed with runaway inflation, as you know. Uh, This really is um, quite disastrous at so many levels. But here's here's what I do know. You have the capacity to be dispassionate, to be very, very objective. Give us your take, because obviously we know Obama Biden 1.0, 2000, circa 2014, Ukraine was in a, a tough, tough situation, and they sent them blankets. So now it's Obama, yeah. it's Biden. I was going to call him O Biden. It's Biden 2.0 now. How how do you assess the early last few days of the late night? executive orders that really seem to be incoherent to me, but I don't want to answer my own question. And then some of the (laughs) other sanctions that have gone in, how do you assess President Biden's early days here?
5: Well, look, he promised swift and severe sanctions. Uh, I haven't seen that. I, I think, you know, we don't really have a very good sense of how this will bite, but my contention all along has been that we are, at odds with our European allies to some degree. They don't want uh, Russia to retaliate by cutting off gas exports. I mean, they can't afford that. And and certainly we don't want that to happen because Europe as a very strong, vibrant market is important to U.S. companies. And it's obviously horrific what's going on already. I mean, to have natural gas prices up sixfold since last year because of a series of kind of tragic events now culminating with this Uh, Military aggression. This is terrible. Um, How do I assess Biden's response? Yes. Timid. Uh, I think it's timid. I think, uh, you know, I think that taking the military option off the table before anything had even happened was stupid. Uh, I think you should keep that kind of um, policy to yourself and not put it out there on the table so that Putin now no, can breathe a sigh of relief that there will be no U.S. troops engaged in this. I don't think there would, ever were going to be. But why make that a public announcement? I don't really understand that. Um, I, I think that was a mistake. Uh, and <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hey, Liz, let, me, let me ask a quick follow-up, because I think yeah. this is really important uh, to see to what extent Our commander in chief is is willing to participate. He did telegraph, and I agree with you, even if it was never our intention. It's obviously we don't want mutually assured destruction and this kind of thing. So you want to avoid that. But I agree you don't. Trump wouldn't do it. Reagan wouldn't do it. Bush one or two wouldn't do it. None of them. I don't think Bill Clinton would have done it. Nobody would have done it. Maybe not even Obama would have done it. You don't take certain things off the table and tell your enemy something he doesn't have to worry about the worst uh, scenario. So I agree with you completely on that. Will Biden, President Biden, I want to give respect, will President Biden give Ukraine weapons? Their foreign minister said, we don't want troops, but we need weapons. Will we give Ukraine weapons and participate at that level? Or are we afraid to even do that?
5: Well, it's a good question. I I think we have given them some military uh, assistance, um, weapons. I think we have been doing some of that. Uh, whether we have suppl- – we certainly have done more than Obama did. If you remember, he didn't supply any hard yeah, yeah, tactical Yeah, they, they, they sent blankets. That's exactly right. So we're we're doing better than that. Obviously, what he should be doing right now is saying, okay, number one, we are going to make sure that, that Putin does not have this stranglehold on Europe because of their gas exports. We are going to amp up our uh, production of natural gas and our – and do a fast uh, increase in terms of our LNG export facilities. That's going to take some time, but we're going to do—we're going to open the spigots. We're going to do everything we can to produce more oil and gas. That is the single most effective thing we could do. Our our oil production right now is about a million barrels a day, below where it was in 2019. With some effort—with some expeditious uh, effort on the part of the federal government, we could quickly regain that million barrels a day. Believe it or not, that would begin to bring oil prices yes, down. We're yes. not going to bring oil prices down by getting rid of the gas tax and other idiotic things. That I mean, that is uh, – I don't even want Liz, to go there. Liz, in, in, Liz, hard
3: yeah. break in 30 seconds. <laughs> okay, was was okay, I, I right in, in the great Liz Peak's estimation when I said the biggest move of the last couple of days since this is ratcheted up is thus far German Chancellor Olaf Scholz and halting the Nord Stream 2 pipeline?
5: Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. And, yeah. and today we did put sanctions on Nord Stream finally.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But after Germany, it's, it's yeah, really amazing. Exactly. Liz, exactly. you are awesome. Uh, keep being awesome.
5: <laughs> You're the best. Thanks so much for having me. Take, Take care. care.
3: You got it. We'll be right back. Oh, my gosh. It's such a big news day today. So much to uh, share with you. Such important content straight ahead. This is The Guy Benson Show.
2: Fresh conservative talk, Guy Benson Show.
3: Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy, who will be back real soon. Well-earned day off. This is, um, out of respect, uh, to tip our cap here on the Guy Benson Show today, to Fox News Channel's own Peter Ducey, the the erstwhile White House press correspondent who is fearless, who, in my estimation, seems to be doing the job for the entire White House press corps because we live in an, in an era where it's just it's all tribal. You know, here, it, 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 Doocy's just an honest broker. It's not like he's not on anybody's team. He, he's just calling it like it is. And it's fabulous to watch him. He doesn't get called on. I, I, I think on rare occasions he has been called on. Every single thing that he's done, he's earned. And I, I got to give him credit. He gets the president's attention. Let's be honest, he gets the president's goad. Not goat, goad. Some say goat. And he gets him good. And, and even Biden, has, President Biden, has to laugh sometimes because it's so good I mean it might be what kind of ice cream you know are you eating today um that tie looks spectacular it really just brings out your eyes I mean like nothing nothing comes President Biden's way and then you have Peter Ducey who out of nowhere shouts out do you think you may have underestimated Putin and I believe because I've watched the video of this, the video, of course, this is not hand puppets of the airwaves on the Guy Benson show. So you can't you can't see it. But take a moment to watch this because it's more visual. You you can't a, a silent, visually perturbed President Joe Biden doesn't show up over the radio airwaves digitally. You have to see it. And it's spectacular. And it's at the end of this press photo op of sorts, and nobody's asking anything relevant. Nobody's asking a tough question, and Peter Ducey, boom, doing what he does, and he's done it on so many occasions, and he's earned it. He's earned respect. I mean, there are times where, I and the president forgets a lot of people's names, so you know, sometimes he's with his own generals. So the, the the guy next to me, the the, the guy, the 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 thing, you know, the thing, the the, the general. He doesn't remember who you know certain people are, given times. But check that out when you get a chance. It not only is very good work, but Peter Ducey of the Fox News Channel, White House correspondent, is the only one doing it. It's truly fantastic work. A great one. Andrew McCarthy joins us next on The Guy Benson Show.
2: Most powerful city in the world. Unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative. Guy
3: Benson Show. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy Benson. Guy will be back very soon. Guy offers, as you know, smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights. From the right-leaning perspective, Guy blends major newsmaker guests, including a steady stream of Fox News All-Stars, which we promised would be happening today. And you'll see in just a moment it is one of the best. Standing by right now on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline and, of course, Guy Benson's passionate and informed monologues. The Guy Benson Show is one of the most relevant nationally syndicated radio talk shows in all of America. Guy Benson himself, one of the top 100 most important talk radio hosts in America. Honored to fill in for Guy today. And without further delay, let me welcome back. We've interviewed Andy on a number of occasions, and he's just absolutely terrific. Andrew McCarthy, Fox News contributor, former distinguished assistant, United States attorney, for the Southern District of New York, author of a definitive book, Ball of Collusion, The Plot to Rig an Election and Destroy a Presidency. You can follow him, uh, his handle on social media, at Andrew C., middle initial McCarthy. Andy, welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, sir.
0: Harry, great to be with you.
3: Good to be with you. Let's talk Supreme Court, um, I guess bingo here, Uh it's close, isn't it? The president has interviewed three people. You you've written um well on this and you've spoken well on the Fox News channel and on Fox News radio about it. Uh what are your thoughts? Does it is it tipping one way or the other? Your thoughts.
0: Well, I think that the um it's always seemed to me that uh, Katan Brown Jackson had the uh, inside track for two reasons, or actually three reasons. One is she was already confirmed fairly recently for the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, secondly, she was a clerk for Justice Breyer. We don't know what discussions went on between Breyer and the White House before Justice Breyer announced his uh, retirement but there has been a a recent trend especially on the federal courts of um, retiring judges or judges who go senior who uh, are able to influence the process on behalf of their um, former clerks Uh, I don't know if that's going on or not but it wouldn't surprise me it certainly happened with Justice Kennedy Two of whose clerks got on the Supreme Court during the Trump years. True. And then the other thing that I think is important with uh, with just Judge Jackson is that if Biden were to pick her, then he would get another pick on the D.C. circuit, which is one of the most important uh, courts in the country especially to the government because it's located in D.C. So a lot of the litigation that the federal government cares about takes place in the District of Columbia. For example, all of these special counsel investigations that we've seen, they all, uh, you know, the Capitol riot stuff, that all takes place in the um, District of Columbia and the appeals all go to the D.C. circuit. So I think he checks a lot of boxes with that particular pick. Uh, I guess the outside track, I would think, would be um, how much influence does uh, Representative Clymer have? Because he's got the uh, the district judge who he's pushing hard uh, from uh, is it uh, South Carolina? Yes. Well, you got, and, and Andy, his, you, and you have
3: to figure that he has a lot of drag. I mean, he saved. I know politics can be you know treacherous, but he saved the Biden candidacy. I, I would think that he would have a lot of say here. Yeah, the
0: the thing we need to bear in mind is he has had a lot of say. True. So you know you can only go to that well. So ah, that's times. a good point. Yeah. If, if I paid you he back,
3: how many times do I have to keep paying you back, right?
0: Yeah. Well, there's always 2024, 20, so yeah, you going to need him again, right? But um, so I think that's uh, my understanding. Quality wise, is that the uh, the state supreme court judge in California may be the best of the lot. And there's a lot attractive about her. She's she's young. She's only about, um, I think I read that she's 45 or so. Um, and she's, you know, for, from a progressive standpoint, she's a brilliant uh, jurist and writer. I think her downside is if Biden were to pick her, he, he can't, he doesn't get a pick on the state Supreme Court. There you go. So, You know, she she has to be so extraordinary that she's worth putting on the court, even though it doesn't open up another vacancy for him to to fill. But uh, my understanding is she may be the most excellent of the candidates.
3: Do you think we'll ever get back and and those just tuning into The Guy Benson Show, Andrew McCarthy on The Guy Benson Show, Newsmaker Hotline? We're talking about the uh, very it's fast approaching. The president hasn't wavered uh, at every press conference that I've watched, Andy. Jen Psaki says, hey, end of February isn't here yet. There's still this many days. Uh, So we know that it's only a few business days left. I don't know that they would do it on a Saturday or Sunday. So, I mean, this probably is going to be happening in the next, who knows, 24, 72 hours, maybe a little more than that. But I think they're going to stay to the February schedule because so many things they say they don't do that. If they don't do this, it's just going to be, my gosh, everything you say you don't do. I think they're kind of I think the president regularly sort of pigeonholes himself with this kind of thing by saying I don't know why he said I'm going to do it by the end of February. But in any event, more than that. Do you think we can ever get to the point where, can we go back to the future, Antonin Scalia, obviously unapologetic, great conservative, but if you look at his career, uh, he had some extraordinary votes that might shock some conservatives, uh, but but his pedigree is conservative bona fide. He's never, never assailed uh, legitimately anyhow. He got 99 votes, I think. I think it was 99 to 0. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I'll go to that um, pick, I think she was like 93 to 7. Uh, now it's um, Vulcan deathmatch, uh, 50-50, break the tie, 52-48, 51-49. Gorsuch got a little bit more. I think he got 54. Do Can we go back to where, it, where we used to say, look, I wouldn't have put this nominee up, but if, if he or she is qualified, see how I would like to vote if I had a vote is, all right, it's not the pick I would make, but is the person qualified? And then I would vote. To confirm the person most likely but we've turned so tribal that you even have to vote against a qualified person for ideological reasons is this baked in permanently or is this only a certain era that this will have taken place and we can go back to to more uh, civility
0: i sadly i suspect it's it's uh we're looking at this forever yeah and I think it's not because of our tribal politics so much as the fact that the court, particularly beginning in the latter half of the 20th century, became, especially in these big cases, as much a political institution, almost like a super legislature, as a judicial institution. And if judges are going to do politics, I mean, you know, let's face it. I think very highly of Justice Kagan as a lawyer, as mm-hmm. somebody who, you know, she's a, I think she's a brilliant thinker. She's a very good writer. Um, you know, she checks all those boxes for me. She's a progressive. And I can tell you on every single big case that comes up, I can tell you where she's going to vote, you know. Um, whereas I think what people don't realize is, um, the conservative judges don't do the same thing the, the left-wing judges do. Uh, I was just the, the, thinking the, the same lef- thing. The, yeah, the left looks at the court as a vehicle for moving the left's agenda. And what makes a conservative judge conservative is a limited role for the court. The, the idea that the, um, the courts are supposed to be uh, restrained. In what, and they're not supposed to reach out and decide things that are not before them. They're not supposed to make up policy. They're not supposed to drive the law right. uh, in a particular direction. Uh, you know, they're supposed to limit what the court does. So the left doesn't like conservative judges because they want those slots to push their agenda. And the right doesn't like, and I consider myself uh, along with this, we don't like progressive judges because they're not judges. They're legislators in robes. And we think that in our system, legislators are supposed to be accountable to the people. You know, a Supreme Court judge does something wild and crazy. You don't get to fire them. You know, they just yeah. there forever.
3: I so appreciate your comment, and you, you are spot on about that. And it really does um, go to my next question for you. And those just joining us on The Guy Benson Show, you're listening to the great Andrew McCarthy. Now, Andy. This I don't know if you've ever been directly asked this question before. Maybe you have. It's going to sound obvious, but I don't hear it addressed very often. Do we have a conservative 6-3 Supreme Court? Do we have a bare-majority conservative Supreme Court 5-4? to Or are we a 4-4 United States Supreme Court with Brett Kavanaugh being the new Anthony Kennedy? How do you respond to that?
0: I think we have a more conservative court than we had with Kennedy on it since Justice Barrett got on it. But it's not as conservative. It's not a 6-3 reliable conservative court, as Correct. people hope, uh, on our side. I think it has slightly shifted. If Look, if Brett Kavanaugh is the – Brett Kavanaugh, I think, is more conservative than his uh, – than the person for whom he was a protege, yes. uh, Justice Kennedy.
3: I agree. Um
0: What what worries me about Kavanaugh is the influence of uh, Chief Justice Roberts, who I think is fundamentally conservative, but too concerned about the politics of the court and the perception of the court. So I think the, the real center of the court right now is Roberts along with Kagan on one side and Kavanaugh on the other. And what you don't see is, you know, it's subtle the way that they do this, but what, what you're seeing happen in a lot of cases is, number one, they won't take cases that are you know, overly controversial, although they have plenty of big ones in this term. Yes. But the other thing I see them do, like, for example, in Masterpiece Cake, they'll dodge the main religious liberty question and free speech question in the case – in order to decide it on the basis of some technicality so that they can get a 7-2 decision instead of a 5-4 decision and look like they're more collegial and nonpartisan. But the thing is, the main question doesn't get decided. And someone like Jack Phillips of Masterpiece Cake continues to be the subject of you know litigation and persecution for years afterwards because the court's job is to decide these cases. And I think sometimes they dodge the main question so that they can look, because they they care about their political perception too much, they you know they want to look like they're nonpartisan and, and collegial.
3: Andy, I really want to believe that Roberts is that because I can at least stomach that. I, I've seen a change where it looks to me like he's almost joined the liberal wing of the court. But if you're right about that, and you've got a lot of. Um, Credibility with me in terms of you know coming to that type of conclusion if it's him with the reputation of the court and he doesn't want the court to ever be perceived as too political and and I, I watched how he flip-flopped on the first vote for Obamacare he voted to, to abolish it and then he flipped his script he seems that I almost have a demarcation on him line where he seems to have become and it does seem like the the conservatives can become liberal Over the course of many years, I don't I I, he was reliably conservative for many, many years uh, when he was uh, named by President Bush to to the court. I'm not one of us is right. I want you to be right. So I'll leave that point for now. Let me let me get a quick comment from you on former President Obama. Remember, Russia reset. You know, we're going to have this beautiful reset, Hillary, even with the the red, you know, staples or whatever that is, the red button. And that was all messed up with her and and the Russian that did the the little photo op with her and they messed it all up. Uh, Right. No Russia reset. I mean, words, not deeds. And the 2014 Obama-Biden debacle where they sent Ukraine blankets and none of the sanctions were were, had enough teeth to, to bother Putin in the least. And he got what he wanted. He attacked Ukraine. He annexed Crimea. And now here we go. It's, it's Biden part 2.0. Quick comment on that. We've got about a minute.
0: Yeah, I think it's um, it, it's tough for Biden because the fact of the matter is we don't want to send American troops to Ukraine to right. fight. And, it's, and, and Russia badly wants Ukraine, so they're willing to send troops. So, you know, you start – with a bad hand if you're the president, but that doesn't mean you have to play a bad hand poorly. And I think at the moment he's playing a bad head and poorly. And,
3: and he, and he said he took a military option off the table and I'm with you. We don't want war with Russia. We don't want that at the, in the worst way, but he took it off the table. So Putin knows the only thing that can happen to him are sanctions.
0: Yeah, I think it's worse than that in the sense that we're paying for Putin's aggression Yeah, because Biden's energy policies are killing our production capacity and therefore russia is getting the benefit of more production more sales and higher prices so and yeah i should have left more room for this for this topic
3: but we're at the finish line uh to be continued and always thanks for a great interview thanks so much you're welcome andrew mccarthy we'll be back this is the guy benson show
2: the guy benson show more
3: next Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. While we have just a couple of minutes, and then we're going to be joined right after the bottom of the hour break by Dr. Jeanette Neshwat from Fox News. Uh, Just great work that she's done as a Fox News contributor, Fox News medical contributor, a family and emergency medicine doctor. She'll be coming by in just a little bit. And, of course, we have a lot to talk about. The CDC has been less than forthcoming with data. We're going to break that down, deconstruct that. And also, is it still a pandemic or have we actually reached endemic phase, which obviously would be wonderful for the republic. But in the couple of minutes that we have, uh, a mention about something that began today and we saw what happened just across the border in Canada. I do not predict anything that extreme will happen here. But remember, in Canada, that was an organic thing that just started and more and more people came into it. This actually has been organized. And they're going to gather. In fact, they're probably already gathering at Adelanto Stadium in California. That's today. Then they're going to go to Arizona, two different stops in Arizona. Then they'll be in Texas, in Glen Rio. Then Elk City, Oklahoma. Then another city in Oklahoma, uh, Vanita. Then they'll be in Sullivan, Missouri. Then they will, that will hit March by then, March 1st. Uh, It's going to be here before you know it. The president will be speaking, the State of the Union address. I'm going to be curious to see how he will be able to say the state the health of this country is strong. It's going to be interesting how he finesses that. I'm sure it will be in the teleprompter, and he'll read it like Ron Burgundy. It will happen. But then this caravan is going to Indiana, and then to Ohio, and then to Maryland, and then finally on March 5th, the final destination, our nation's capital, where they're not, for security reasons, they're not revealing the time that they will arrive, uh, but that is the date that they will arrive. The, if you wonder why are they doing it, because this is in Canada where Justin Trudeau and these wild lefties were telling people to wear a mask in your own truck when you're by yourself and all of these other onerous things. This um, People's Caravan, the organizers have said, and I, I've heard them say it, uh, that they want to hold the line until all the federal mandates are lifted. And that's from healthcare to the pilots, you know, the airline industry to the military, because people who were heroes a year ago are getting fired now. So this is not something they're doing actually for themselves. They're, they're trying to help other people. As I mentioned, when we come back, an important discussion about the current state of COVID 19 virus with fox news medical contributor dr Jeanette neshwat this is the guy benson show
2: you're listening to a new generation of talk guy benson
3: thank you very much welcome back to the guy benson show with christine wyatt and dan harry hurley filling in today for guy who will be back very soon You're listening to The Guy Benson Show, and on The Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is Dr. Jeanette Nashwat, family and emergency medicine doctor and a very distinguished Fox News medical contributor who joins us for an important discussion about basically where we are relative to the pandemic, Uh, the recent data that we found out that the CDC had been collecting but did not release to the American people, and some other fun stuff, no doubt, in the time that we have with Dr. Nashwat. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show.
1: Hey, Harry. Great to be with you today.
3: It is great to be with you. So it is the $64,000 game show question. Are we still in a pandemic or not?
1: Yeah, I I think when we see and we take a look at the number of cases have gone down, they have plummeted. I've had one case, Harry, in the past two weeks. Normally, I'll have anywhere from about 40 to 60 cases of positive COVID patients in a day. So that tells you it's nearly gone. And so when we see that the cases are nearly gone, that's an indicator that we need to scale back our mitigation efforts. We need to take a look at our policies and protocols. We shouldn't be having, you know, everybody masked up if you're, or if you're vaccinated or if you have natural immunity and the percent of, of cases in the communities is extremely low. So we need to look at all of these statistics and the data and make our decisions on policies based on what we see in the community. So it makes no sense to, you know, adhere to all these mitigation efforts when COVID is nearly gone, for example, here in, in New York.
3: Dr. Nashwat, how do you respond as a doctor to people who say... I do want to get on and and live normal again, that I've had this, two years of this, I've had this, and it's one wave after the other, and it, it all started with 14 days to flatten the curve, and all yeah. the things that the, that the American people have been through, it's kind of like getting the rug pulled out from under you, you think it's over, it's like a monster movie, you know, Jason Voorhees or Freddy, that, that you think they're gone, but they're never gone, there's the next, uh, you know, sequel. Uh, Somebody that wants to say, hey, I'm not in a pandemic anymore, it's endemic, we have to learn to live with it, I want to live again, what do you say to them when they also hear, and we're going to get to it a little bit later in our interview, whether it's the L.A. Times, and we know they're left of center, but they make a point about is, is it a, that they think it's a big mistake to think that this is over because people believe that the next variant, that we don't even know what the next variant is, I mean, after all, it was Alpha, Delta, Mu, Uh, Omicron, and I'm sure I'm leaving some out. So people that are waiting and waiting and waiting for the next shoe to drop, the next variant, that's a terrible way to live.
1: Well, if you know your risk – And you protect yourself then you've done all that you can we don't know when this will end we don't know when the next variant will arise you're absolutely right but especially if you are high risk if you're a senior citizen if you are obese if you have diabetes if you have underlying heart disease then you need to take it seriously those are the patients that i've had who I was really worried about when they had COVID. Um, Those are the patients that lost their life or the ones that had the heart disease or the ones that were obese. Um, That was at the beginning of the pandemic. Fortunately, now we've got treatments, we've got monoclonal antibodies, we've got antivirals. But it has to be started, you know, very, very early in your diagnosis. But one thing that we do know, thanks to Operation Warp Speed, is if you do get your vaccine, um, that can really, really help you from being hospitalized and help prevent severe complications. Um, Being vaccinated reduces your risk of of death 20-fold, which is extremely, extremely high. So I think at this point, live your life, but know your risk. Understand what your risk is. Understand if you have severe asthma or COPD or emphysema and you're a smoker and you have heart disease, you're at high risk of severe complications. So you want to take precautions to protect yourself. Um, But once you do that, then we have to just continue living our lives. Just like, for example, with with the flu. Um, you get your shot once, once a year, you take precautions, you wash your hands, you make sure you get enough rest, enough vitamins and minerals, make sure you're not deficient in vitamin D, make sure you, you've got enough B12 and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, we can't live in fear and we can't live under the rule of mandates for the rest of our life. But what we can do is protect ourselves and, and again, know your risk and that puts us in control of our own health.
3: As a layperson, I feel that it's even more important now to get the flu shot, the flu, some say, vaccine. Do you feel that in in the age of COVID-19 that the flu shot is more important than ever?
1: Oh, absolutely. If you pick up uh, flu and COVID simultaneously, that is dangerous. I actually had more flu cases today among my patients than than COVID, uh, but they were not vaccinated, so that's the key. Now, yes, can you still catch the flu even if you're vaccinated? Absolutely, but can it reduce your symptoms? Yes. For example, my flu patients that both that test positive that are vaccinated versus those are not. The one that was not had a fever of 102. The one that was vaccinated just had mild sniffles. So absolutely, once a year, get your flu shot. That's important. Um, and then you know it might come to the point where uh you know, the the COVID vaccine might be yearly or it might just be a booster for those who are at high risk. We're still waiting on uh, CDC data for that. Pfizer and Moderna are coming up with a two-in-one. I know Moderna is coming up with a two-in-one vaccine that has both the flu and COVID, which should be a yearly vaccine, which makes it a lot easier. Uh, but we we just need to see um, what, what they come out with. But, yes, it's important to make sure you're up to date with all of your vaccines. And if you're old enough, get your pneumonia vaccine and your shingles vaccine. Um, that's really important. If you have diabetes, make sure your blood sugar is under control. If you have heart disease, make sure you're taking your cholesterol medicine and your aspirin or your blood thinners. Make sure you're seeing your doctor routinely and regularly. These are the things that are going to help protect you and preserve your life.
3: Do you believe because of the last two years and a lot of people missed regular screenings, whether it be women in mammograms, men, colonoscopies and women, all these things that people just didn't do initially, maybe because elective things weren't happening. But then for quite a long time now, they have been. But there I believe there are a lot of Americans that are two years behind taking care of themselves. Your thoughts about that comment?
1: yeah you're absolutely right. We're trying to catch up now. you know patients they're they're not up to date with their dental visits. And their colonoscopies, their pap smears, their biops, biopsies, if they have, you know, skin lesions, that's so important um, to pick it up early so it doesn't spread, you know, cardiac stress test, that sort of thing. Um, so that's why now we're, we encourage patients, please, it's, it's not too late to see your doctor to get those routine screening because prevention is the key. Early diagnosis is, is the key to, to better outcomes. So it's, it's definitely not too late, but we're just playing catch up now.
3: I think the CDC uh, gets a bad rap because of this last two years and and sometimes it seems strategic and political and and you just see these things that go on. I call it the dishonesty of Dr. Fauci with respect to masks. The the latest is this issue of not releasing data, sort of in in a recent interview that Dr. Jeanette Nashwat and I did. I talked about uh, Jack Nicholson in the movie You Can't Handle the Truth. They decide – that the American people can't handle the truth. What would have been wrong with saying, hey, we have this data on younger Americans, 18 to whatever, 49 years old, I think, was the demo. And I think it would have been very illuminating for the American people to see how little risk this demographic had. But we treated the whole country the same. Lockdowns, 340 million people, instead of, as you said earlier, caring for the most vulnerable would have been much more manageable how did we let senior citizens, the most vulnerable, get destroyed the way that they did yeah. because of these stupid policies on the left coast and the and the east coast? It's really unforgivable stuff that some of this we didn't know. But that anybody, a child, should have known. Don't bring somebody that's sick into a senior home where there's right. not proper distancing, not proper ventilation. So it, it's mind-blowing to me, Dr. Jeanette, that they actually – did some of the things that they did. And I think at this late game, for us to find out that there's data that they didn't turn over to the American people, that's not good for their reputation.
1: You're absolutely right. You lose credibility, um, and it's disheartening. You know they've had two years worth of data, and it you know what it comes down to is just they're incapable of presenting that data, of organizing that data. They were given funding for that, so hopefully we'll see improvement in in the future. But withholding that information um, because they're they're fearful that patients may be discouraged um, to get their booster or might misinterpret that information. It's not up to the CDC to decide what information America gets. America is owed. It is their duty of the CDC to provide yes. this information to doctors and to patients and to allow us to make that decision that's best for us, for our patients. You know, could it have been that those that between the ages of 18 and 49, what was the significance of having a booster? How much harm would it have caused them? Yep. We needed that information to help us hone in and target populations who are yep. high risk or, or groups they, of people that yep. needed more um, more attention, and they had so, it. Oh, yeah,
3: they had Absolutely. it, and they held out. I know you have to go in in about two minutes. Doctor Jeanette Nashwat yeah. is our guest, Fox News medical contributor, and we're talking about the uh, COVID 19. We're talking about whether it's pandemic or endemic at this stage, and now the CDC not releasing data that they've had, and it's really, uh, I think it's it's a significant problem, and and th- I think they have to actually explain uh, why they wouldn't do this. And let me throw this last question at you israel and the united kingdom are the mvps of the COVID 19 pandemic in terms of research we should be if we took a page out of operation warp speed and what was done by president trump and all the professionals that delivered the greatest response in my estimation to a pandemic in the history of the world remember the president was laughed at when he said that we could have a vaccine before the end of the year and this was going back two years i mean who would have who would have believed and it happened so we were absolute leaders at that level but we've been a research joke do you agree or disagree with that
1: it, it, it's been embarrassing 100 percent. it's embarrassing you know i would rather though have high-end, valuable data from Israel and the U.K. than this cherry-picked data yeah. out of the CDC. Now, let's be fair. The CDC does have given us some very good guidance and protocols in the past, but it's just been a mess with the, when it comes to COVID and, and the pandemic. Um, you know, with other parts of medicine, they've been amazing. They've been phenomenal. They are our gold standard go-to, but it's been another story with COVID. I and agree. they really need to ramp up is their it, surveillance, it, their data it, collection. collection.
3: I know you have to go real quick. Isn't it almost proof that they got co-opted by the politics when this became so political? They weren't able to do what they usually do and say what they usually say?
1: Yeah, we want to try our best to always keep the politics out of medicine because ultimately, who does it hurt? It hurts our patients. It hurts Americans. So hopefully moving forward, we'll, we'll see some changes in that.
3: Thank you for your guidance, Dr. Jeanette Neshwat. Thank you for your time today. Have a good day. My
1: pleasure. You have a good one, too. Thank you so much.
3: You're welcome. We will be back in just a little bit. That uh, was, I believe, a very important segment here on The Guy Benson Show relative to are we in a pandemic? Have we hit endemic phase? There are so many Americans that, that want to shift gears. And then, look, if something comes down the road, Sometimes, for example, the flu vaccine is a good hit, and sometimes it's a near miss, and sometimes it's a terrible miss, and there's very little protection. Uh, we are going to have to get to the point where we accept that you will not get to zero. They cannot save the entire country, the entire world, and you can kill the country with many of the things that were done. And we've hurt our children. This is something that Christina, Christine and I have talked about on air on The Guy Benson Show, what's been done to children. I I said this earlier today to a friend, and I said, imagine you're a junior. I said it to Dan, actually, my friend. I said, Dan, imagine you're a junior, and the last two years you've missed your junior year and you've missed your senior year because you were remote learning, your proms were canceled in many, many states in Guy Benson's universe of listeners, the extra and co-curricular activities, all sports programs, everything shut down and you've missed your junior and senior year. And then go earlier than that. And so much happens. Uh, I'm a former school board member. I can tell you. I'm not pledging here on guys program to be an expert, but I'm telling you there is a social emotional component that children have been robbed of. You look, there's there is a degradation in scores in overall learning schools did the best they could with this remote learning but you cannot replace the teacher pupil ratio of a classroom setting this topic is going nowhere and we're going to stay on top of it this is the guy benson show
2: the guy benson show more next
3: welcome back to the guy benson show harry hurley filling in today for guy he'll be back real soon and, of course, I'm with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Thanks for spending this portion of your day here and uh, with the Guy Benson Show. Now, we started this conversation. Now let's – we won't finish it, but we, we, will, we will feather in some additional layers to the people's convoy because this was theoretical at one point. Organizers were announcing after seeing what happened in uh, Canada that we're going to do – an American version, if you will. Now, there's a big difference. In Canada, you had Justin Trudeau, the prime minister, and some extremely ridiculous, onerous types of restrictions. I mean, imagine telling a trucker that within the confines of Canada, you have to wear a face mask while you are driving your truck. And you know that truckers drive... They have limits, but they drive many, many hours. You tell a trucker all by him or herself in their truck that they have to wear a face mask. How is that even defendable? In what universe does that make a lick of sense? Even if you want to go and and lay on all kinds of distancing and face masks while in public, even outside, and certainly when inside, and of course we know – All the ones that espouse these rules, they all break them themselves. It's it's like 100% guarantee that they do as I say, not as I do. For thee, not for me. So they were fighting in Canada for extremely onerous, over-the-top, crazy policies. Skin in the game, if you will. Their own game. I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying that this was about things that they felt were wrong in Canada, that they were directly affected by. Here, the People's Convoy, they know that even the most liberal states in this country, and it's only because, I promise you, November 8th is fast approaching. It's going to be here before you know it. And that is why all the lefties have flipped their script. They're all ending the mandates, even in New Jersey, mask mandates. I don't know why it waited until March 7th, but that's ending. And the People's Convoy, though, their mission statement, if this was Jerry Maguire, hey, Troy Aikman walks by, hey, Jerry, I love your memo, mission statement. They kept calling it a memo, mission statement. Their mission statement, I'm calling it that, but just for fun. But they have a mission, and their mission is very, very clear. They want to, quote, Hold the line until all the federal mandates are lifted from, quote, healthcare to pilots to military. They don't want heroes of a year ago to be zeros in the year 2022 where they get fired. They, they were risking their lives when we didn't know everything we know now. So that's what's happening, and it's beginning today in California, and it will make its way Until March 5th in our nation's capital, the People's Convoy, this is The Guy Benson Show.
2: It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for The Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson.
3: Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Team Christine. That's Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley filling in today for a guy who will be back very, very soon, so no worries. Well, I'll tell you what. It's the happy hour, and I'm very happy to present on The Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. I consider him courageous. I'm a news consumer for many, many years, and I find his work to be impeccable Uh, I recall, and we regaled about it behind his back a few hours ago, Christine Wyatt, Dan and I, when the great Trey Yinkst was embedded with the Taliban. I mean, and he said it's no big deal. I mean, nerves of steel. I watched him two days ago on the Fox News channel leading this team of friendly Ukrainians that were with him. And his crew, and he's leading the crew. Uh, military helmet on, flak jacket on, on a live hit with the Fox News Channel, walking, running. Hey, let's go. We're we're all right now. Hey, go again. I mean, it was it was incredible to see this in real time. Trey, I don't want to embarrass you, but I had to mention that. I mean, your work is is so important, and here you are, live in Ukraine. And uh, with us on The Guy Benson Show, welcome. Good to talk to you. I talked about you behind your back like that, so I wanted to say it right to you.
6: Well, thank you, and thanks for having me. It's
3: a pleasure. So how, uh, let me just throw it to you. How are things going? What are your observations?
6: Uh, Well, look, as you noted, we cover stories all around the world, from Afghanistan to Iraq to Lebanon to Gaza, and there's always this moment before stories erupt that everyone's sort of holding their breath waiting to see what's going to unfold, because there's an understanding that a massive story is about to really consume the world. And that is the moment we are in as you and I speak right now. There are an estimated 190,000 Russian troops on the border of Ukraine, and new satellite images that came out just a few minutes ago show that more Russian troops have deployed close to the border, within 10 miles of Ukrainian territory, And within 50 miles of Ukraine's second largest city, and they are, as the Pentagon has described, in an advanced, uncoiled position, meaning they are ready to strike if given the orders. And there is one man tonight who knows whether or not Russia will invade Ukraine, and that's Russian President Putin. But all Western intelligence indicates that he will give those orders. The question now is in what capacity and how large of a scale are we talking about?
3: You're listening to Trey Yanks live from Ukraine, the Fox News foreign correspondent. Is it almost necessary if you're Vladimir Putin? I mean, if he were to just back away, I mean, could he say face? Does is the KGB that runs through his blood. He is now to this point. Is it is it the point of no return where this is this just has to happen? And as you say, to what scale we'll 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 learn?
6: I think nothing is ever certain. So we will never know 100% if something will happen until it happens. But we're very close to 100% in terms of some form of escalation. Maybe it's not a full-scale invasion. Maybe he takes a piece of eastern Ukraine, which we know he's already done. He actually rolled troops into separatist-controlled areas of eastern Ukraine, Ukrainian territory that since 2014 has been controlled by Russian-backed separatists. But there's a real understanding he has enough troops to launch a larger invasion. And in terms of saving faith, the sense in Ukraine right now is that he has gone so far that this really is a point of no return. Mm-hmm. He already has been sanctioned in terms of his inter- inner circle, right? Like he hasn't been sanctioned himself, but the family members of rich oligarchs in his circle, the people who are making sometimes shadow decisions in Moscow, are going to see serious economic consequences as a result of this decision. And that's not even talking about a decision to launch a full invasion. That is talking about President Putin recognizing these separatist-controlled territories.
3: Trey, does Putin give a lick that his inner circle, the ultra-rich that you're talking about, are being targeted by the West's sanctions? Is there anybody that can actually put any pressure? I heard the other day, this is sort of anecdotal, but that he that somebody actually quasi stood up to him. I'm figuring that guy's going to be breaking big rocks into small rocks in the very near future. But is there anybody that that actually holds any power over Putin?
6: He may get some pressure internally from these very rich individuals around him because we are talking about frozen assets in the United States, millions and millions of dollars that will no longer be in play for these power players in Russia. But I think to give you a a sense of just how much power he has, and even through his words and actions, how, how much fear he has instilled even in the people around him, you have to look back earlier this week to the Security Council meeting that he held. All of his top officials were there, and there was an exchange between the top Russian spy chief and Putin and it read like something out of a a, a comedy all, almost, but wow. a, a dark comedy because wow. he was making this official so uncomfortable, a, a trained spy, that he started to stumble over his words, this, this top spy official, to the point where he couldn't even speak. And Putin wasn't saying much. He was just sort of looking at him and, and asking him to speak cleanly, speak clearly. And it just gives you a sense of the type of, of fear that people around Putin feel.
3: What does he think? I mean, I, you can't think for Putin, but what what is what goes when he says we're peacekeepers uh, to Ukraine, decommunize, dematerialize? Uh, I mean, how it's so unserious, it's so it's so laughable, but it's so serious. I mean, he says these things that are just ridiculous.
6: He is a chief propagandist, and amid this possibility of direct military confrontation between Russia and Ukraine, there is this parallel information war going on. And it's not the first time that Russia has participated in an information war. In fact, they're actually consistently and constantly participating in information wars around the world. Sometimes it has to do with U.S. elections. Other times it has to do with the Syrian regime of Bashar al-Assad. But in this case, it has to do with the Ukrainians. And we have seen from the very beginning of this story and this erupting conflict that's really been a slow but developing conflict for the past eight years, a continuous effort and campaign by the Russian government to make sure that people are confused and make sure that people aren't getting accurate information. And so far, you can imagine he feels like he is being successful, at least to some extent. But those in the West and and, and those who are not sort of blinded by the the comments of this regime, can see through it. They can see that much of what is happening right now in eastern Ukraine and, and the claims that these separatist leaders are making just simply aren't true.
3: Trey Yanks, Fox News foreign correspondent live in Ukraine. Just an extraordinary interview, Trey. Um, and please be safe. Is it palpable? Do you feel you feel like something... Is about to happen does it have that atmosphere sometimes you walk out you know it's gonna snow you feel it it's almost atmospheric is it palpable the feeling right now
6: it is and look I never like to predict out what will happen Uh, we always want to look at the facts in front of us as journalists and ensure that we are making clear-headed decisions because sometimes a lot can be happening at once there can be a lot of chatter and a lot of buzz but having covered these stories all around the world, there is this moment, and we are in the moment right now, and it's quite interesting to be talking about the moment because oftentimes there's this sort of fourth wall where people feel the energy around something, they, and, and you don't always feel it just internally. Actually, most of the time, and I, and I think very good journalists will, will agree, you actually sense it more from the people that you're talking to because there are officials that we've been talking to and and sources that we've been talking to since the beginning of this story that have changed their tone in recent days. Even the Ukrainian president, I spoke to him last weekend, and we were – it's actually two weekends ago now that we were in the south near Crimea, and I spoke to him very extensively, three or four questions about the situation and the intelligence that the Ukrainians had. And he sort of brushed me off and sort of downplayed this idea of a full-scale invasion. And you take that moment, right, that is now off the top of my head 10 or 11 days ago, and you compare it to what the Ukrainian president said today. And there's a real sense and a real understanding that things have changed in the mindset of these top officials, but also they've changed in the mindset of the people on the streets of Kiev, the people that we just meet. Here and there. Trey, 2000... And, and that, I think, also is different.
3: Yes. 2014, I don't know that past this prologue. This this could be very different. But 2014, sanctions meant nothing to Putin. Now, these are different sanctions. And the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, I think that the German chancellor, uh, Olaf Scholz, has made the biggest move to date, in my estimation. Uh, we'll, we'll see what will follow. The president is saying that some very harsh things are to follow. And we'll, we'll, we'll time will tell. But 2014, then Obama-Biden sent blankets. Uh, Putin attacked Ukraine, annexed Crimea, got exactly what he wanted. Uh, He didn't do anything for the last four years, but now this year, very provocative. And now we see 75,000 troops, as you know, you've been living it, turned to 150,000, have turned to 190,000. And it looks like something big uh, is about to happen. Uh, What could make 2022 different than 2014?
6: I think a lot of it has to do with the scale that we're talking about here. And it's really a worst case scenario seeing a full scale invasion of Ukraine by the Russian military. But it is a scenario and there is a possibility that it takes place. So I think when we look at the worst case scenario, the difference between 2022 and 2014 mainly will have to do with the number of casualties from this conflict. It will have to do with the amount of sanctions that are levied against the Russians. And it will have to do with the level of destruction that the Ukrainian people see inside their country. We're talking about thousands and thousands of casualties. Some estimates put it as high as 50,000 civilian casualties if this takes place. We're talking about thousands of military casualties on both sides as well. In terms of sanctions, this is really just the beginning of what likely will be very, very heavy sanctions against the Russians. The Nord Stream 2 pipeline, obviously a big one. That's frozen. The sanctioning of people in Putin's inner circle, that will expand. And in terms of the destruction, intelligence indicates the Russians could use ballistic missiles on the Ukrainian capital. I mean, we are talking about World War II-level destruction if it is decided to launch a full-scale invasion with aerial bombardments, ballistic missiles, and then ground troops. And that is the description that we have gotten in a worst-case scenario. Our Jennifer Griffin at the Pentagon doing incredible reporting on this, really detailing what it could look like if it does indeed take place at that level.
3: What a comment. Trey Yanks, Fox News foreign correspondent, live in Ukraine. We'll get you out of here in a minute or two. I know you got a lot going on. The Ukrainian foreign minister said something that I thought was very important. You know all about this. You're living it, Trey. He said that basically America always keeps its promises. They want to make it clear. They only want weapons to Ukraine. That's what they want. They don't want American soldiers. Obviously the president has telegraphed that that's off the table, so Putin knows that. I'm I'm not gonna criticize that I don't think he should have said it, but I, I know it's not something we would want to do because we don't want any type of disastrous, mutually assured destruction and and, and, and things to go sideways when when certainly they don't need to. But in your estimation, Trey, and you're so um, your credibility on this is, is so strong is America keeping its its word? Are, are we are we doing what we can for the Ukrainians?
6: So far, in terms of military assistance, yes, you will not see in this conflict if it stays within the borders of Ukraine, American troops fighting this war. I, I believe that fullheartedly. And that's based on our reporting. It's based on the officials that we've talked to. And it's based on the intelligence that we know about. And I think that is a commitment you will see stay 100 percent. The only time that changes is if Russia decides to target a NATO member, and then Article 5 is invoked, and then the United States will have no choice but to participate in a response because of this mutual defense alliance. In terms of support to the Ukrainians, we even saw this week as the foreign minister was alongside Defense Secretary Austin, the United States is providing weapons to Ukraine, and. They are in the form of things like anti-tank missiles. And it's not just the helmets, the the 5,000 helmets, for example, that the Germans sent, and it was sort of used as a mockery of, of what could be uh, made as support in this case. But the Americans are sending weapons, and, and they likely will send more. So I think so far the commitments and, and the requests and this this um, partnership and, and, and friendship between the united states and ukraine remains it doesn't mean that there will be this support of of having ukraine down the road join nato i don't think that is on the table and especially right now uh, despite the aspirations that have been expressed by president Zelensky. but i think that's what we're looking at today and so far the united states has has fulfilled those commitments
3: trey stay safe your reporting is so important and it's been exceptional trey Yinkst, honor to present you this this on the guy benson show terrific thanks for having me you're welcome we will be back. It is the happy hour. I don't know how happy that all is, but it is the happy hour, and it is The Guy Benson Show.
2: Fresh conservative talk. The Guy Benson Show.
3: Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy, who will be back very, very soon. Now... This one you'll either believe it or not. I I've actually saw reports that are even beyond what I'm about to share with you. But this this is a, an important topic because the the smartphone almost has become if you leave home without it, you certainly even if you're going to be late somewhere, you go back and you get it because you can't imagine being separated from that digital device, that incredible computer of just so much knowledge and information. Uh, And, of course, you'll be checking all the different Fox News sites and and culling news articles and and your social media presence and everything, documenting everything you do and taking pictures of everything and posting everything. Well, as of right now, this one particular study says that the average American – this is personal only. I'm going to add time to it. It's like a soccer game when the officials got extra time on his watch. Well, the game's not over. The clock hits zero zero zero, but the but uh, the official has time on his watch. We're keeping time by hand now. Five and a half hours a day just for personal stuff that does not include work-related use. When you add it all up, people are on their cell phone for 10 or more hours a day on the average. Five and a half hours, though, personally. But you think about it. A lot of people, you pay your bills, you do all your social stuff, uh, your your news surfing, people watch different shows and listen to the podcast and listen to Fox News Radio, listen to Guy Benson show and so on on the cell phone. It adds up. Then you throw your work-related stuff in. And how about this? Six in 10 couldn't cope without their smartphone for one day how about that and one in eight suffer from anxiety from low battery we'll be back this is the guy benson show fun topic next
2: talking about the issues you care about guy benson
3: welcome back to the guy benson show harry hurley filling in today I am with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan, and to the whole team. And Guy, thanks for the opportunity to fill in. Guy will be back real soon. Well, believe it or not, and I'll tell you, um, I think this is bad news. I think it's a precursor to some very bad times for the Democrat Party because, once again, I don't believe in coincidences. Why now? Why would there be an alternative speech to President Biden's State of the Union address of his own party. If you're of the other party, I mean, just get the popcorn out, enjoy the, the show, and, you know, there you go. It's I mean, it, it is incomprehensible to me, but I, I can see what's going to be happening. And I love taking a look at something. Hey, let me take a little peek at what's happening now and then forecasting what will be happening down the road. So in case you haven't heard of this group, uh, and I, I don't know what useful purpose there is for the Democrat Party to have a Democrat delivering a response to President Biden's State of the Union address next week, the member of the squad, as they're called, Rashida Tlaib, she's of Michigan, she will be giving an address on behalf of a left of center group called the left-wing workers' family party. There's excellent reporting uh at foxnews.com on this. But if you think about it, what is she going to do? Is she actually going to correct the president, go further than the president was willing to go? In some of the earlier content today on the Guy Benson show, we've talked about how uh with Liz Peak, how Guy uh, how um Joe Biden has been taken so far to the left. There was a time in his career, I think he was always a bit left of center, but never wildly so. And that's the case now. Here's my prediction. November 8th is going to come, and it's going to go, and Democrats are going to lose the House, most likely lose the Senate. That's a bit more in doubt. And then what you're going to have is, from a political standpoint... I don't mean these these words literally, but the political equivalent of a political civil war within their own party. They will be blaming each other for the defeat. The left, the hard left, will say, you didn't go hard left enough. You were too moderate. They'll say too conservative. Then, of course, most mainstream Democrats, you don't get to hear from them much anymore because the extreme faction is writing the checks right now. They're, they're the ones that are Running the show. That's why you see President Biden doing things that might surprise you. The candidates and nominees, how left of center they are, wildly left of center. So after the midterm election, this is going to be a very fractured Democrat party because they're going to take extraordinary losses in the House. And we'll see what happens in the Senate because the Republicans are defending so many more seats. Let's not forget, for only the third time since 1978, the Democrats have 30 incumbents who are retiring. I mean, you're talking about four plus decades ago, beyond that. And that's what's happening right now. In a normal environment where the American people are genuinely satisfied, nothing crazy going on, the party in power, the president's party at the first midterm, loses an average of 28 seats. If you look at, I don't look at everything that Obama-Biden did as guaranteed that it was 1.0 and now it's a guaranteed 2.0 that it will happen again. Again. But the Democrats lost more than 60 seats. I think it was 63 in that neighborhood, 63 House seats. And a significant number of Senate seats. And Republicans took back the majority in both houses. When the president gives his address. The only thing that should follow is the Republican response. Yeah, they're going to disagree. They're going to say, it hasn't done this, you've done this, you did not we were energy independent, and look what you've done. Look at the price of gas, look at runaway inflation, look at the mismanagement in Afghanistan, uh, which, by the way, is colossally just unacceptable, disastrous, cost lives it shouldn't have cost, uh, leaving the Taliban with billions of dollars of state-of-the-art, finest equipment on the planet. I mean, there's just so many things. Then, of course, uh, most people believe it's early, and let's see. There's a chance to pull it out with the latest geopolitical threat with Russia and Ukraine. President Biden right now has a 36 percent job approval rating in late yesterday afternoon's Gallup poll. Let's see what the Fox News polling brings uh, when they do their next samplings of public opinion. That's 36 percent is the American people's approval of President Biden specifically On Russia, Ukraine. And now he's going to have to experience the indignity of a Democrat member of Congress giving a State of the Union response to the Democrat Party's president. The leader of the Democrat Party is the president of the United States. President Trump was the leader of the Republican Party when he was president. Many will say he still is now. And that the nomination is his if he wants it. more about that another day. but I, I have to say it's it is it is embarrassing. And you would think somebody would say, "Hey, listen, do you really have to do that? i will the media actually show this thing? Will this thing be given the weight of the response of the the Republican response to the president's? State of the Union address. Will the president be able to say that the state of our country is strong? He will. I know some of the things he's going to say days in advance. He'll say about job creation. He'll say about rising wages. I think he'll probably say, we understand that there are people hurting and that inflation, we have to win and and knock it down. I think he's going to say a few things that, should be said and need to be said. You cannot tell the American people this is the greatest economy ever, the most jobs created ever, the wages are this, and everybody has all the money they need. Nobody feels that way unless you are super rich and then it doesn't matter. People do not feel that way. So you can imagine, I'll make a few predictions of Rashida Tlaib, the congresswoman from Michigan. She's going to say that they're not going liberal enough. She's not just going to follow and say I agree with every word the president just said. Good night. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night. I I, when I first learned about this, I had to make sure And I first learned about it from Fox News. I had to find out what once they reported it, I knew it was it was not uh, satire, but I had to find out what is this about? What would precipitate something like that? Hey, give your speech. You've got a group. I mean, there's always subgroups and in organizations and so on and parties. Give your speech at some kind of gathering or something like that. But to have a response to the president of the United States, state of the union, you're by definition dividing your own political party. So this is Democrat on Democrat political crime. I think it's, I think it's bad form. I think it's terrible. Look, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, ask you to stop. You know, there's an expression about when your opponent is, you know, digging a hole for themselves, you know, just watch. Just let them keep digging. Don't, don't help them. But this is an unprecedented move. I've, I've combed as much data as I can possibly find, get my hands on, my eyes on. Has this ever been done before? I'm not talking about Ronald Reagan challenging Gerald Ford and things like that. That was within the party structure. And then they came together. And when Gerald Ford said, I'd like to ask my friend Ron to come up and say a few words, and Ronald Reagan just slayed it. And the whole convention had their mouths open, their jaws hitting the floor, knowing they had nominated the wrong person. That was an extraordinary moment in Republican Party political history, but President, future President Reagan, then Candidate Reagan, Governor Reagan, he said all the right things. He endorsed President Ford, and he asked the entire convention to get behind him and did everything the way that you're supposed to do it. I, I, I have no problem. Uh, Ted Kennedy challenged Carter. Probably cost him uh, dearly when he did that, when Reagan wiped him out. But this this is at a very different special level. So get ready for it. I don't know who will cover it. Uh, I don't know if it will be covered in real time. Will they actually do something where there'll be three speeches that night? The president's address, the Republican response. I think in fairness to tradition, the, the president's address is first. The Republican response would be second and then would this be third or would it just take place and get whatever coverage on the side that it can get i think it's bad but i'm not complaining because i think it will it will expose fissures problems cracks within the democrat party one thing they've been good at lately because they wanted power they wanted to consolidate power they kept things together No matter what one of their members did, remember some of the awful things that some of these squad members have said. None of them ever censured or anything like that. One time it was so bad that they did some joint thing where everybody take notice of what we we don't want you to do again. But they didn't they didn't do anything to the person that actually was responsible. Pretty extraordinary stuff. When we come back, I'm so excited about this. There is a Netflix television series nine episodes and there's a new jersey angle to it it's called inventing anna christine our executive producer is going to join the conversation i know dan has seen an episode and a half of it i have watched the entire series and written a column about the show and i can't wait to talk about it next on the guy benson show
2: guy benson will be right back You have to work hard to get what you want. I've always known that. I'm building something as a private club, except on the VIP room.
3: Oh my gosh. It's bringing back such happy memories. And we just finished it, my wife and I, this weekend. We watched the nine episodes in one weekend because once you start this series, you, you, can't, you can't let it go. You've got to see it through. The neat thing is it's a true story except where they embellish... Uh, There's a New Jersey angle, which makes it amazing. Julia Garner, who is incredible. When Christine Christine and I had a conversation that Julia Garner, that Anna Sorokin, a.k.a. Anna Delvey, how she says it sort of, uh, that Julia Garner is both Anna Delvey and also that incredible, uh, talented actress on another Netflix series, Ozark, with Jason Bateman and Laura Linney where she plays probably the third most important person uh, in that particular series, and they have a half a series left of Ozark, then that will be concluded. She is unrecognizable uh, in either role. You would never think it could possibly be the same person until you find out. Christine, let me give you a comment. You'll open things up. The Netflix series, nine episodes, Inventing Anna. Opening comment.
7: Oh, it is. So, so good. Um, I mean, we can go through the story itself, but what I have to say, especially about this series, and I'm sure you felt the same way, when you're binging something, sometimes, you know, one episode's a little shorter, one episode's a little longer. These are, like, really great length episodes. It's not just, like, 40 minutes. Because I like a, a, you know, a hefty yes amount of time.
3: Yes. I'm with you. When something is great... You don't want it to end. So absolutely, I concur that I would rather a longer episode than a shorter one because it's the type of thing where they went from the beginning to the end. You don't there's no potential for a second season. Uh, If you could find a way to do it, I guess you could. But if you wanted to pursue other angles. But I thought that her acting in particular, Julia Garner, right down to this accent that she shows how she deconstructs it in on interviews that she's done and she will show you how she does what she calls a very bad russian accent and then she brings in the german portion of it and then you get the voice that you heard uh dan share with everyone on the guy benson show with the intro out of the break and it's just incredible see some people don't like the voice i even love that she does that christine
7: Oh, I I loved it. And I I know you're probably, I assume you're supposed to hate her. You know, the real Anna. You're supposed to not like her. I like her, dare I say, I actually like her. Um, Obviously, her crimes were insane. But, I mean, we're talking about a 25-year-old woman that
3: was literally Who who was a whisper Christine, a whisper away from a forty million dollar credit facility to do her Park Avenue. Uh, project. I mean, she was that close. One, she had approval. She had the, the basically as close to the final approval as you can get before that absolute last step of due diligence. And, of course, she couldn't get to that part of the finish line for reasons that people need to see in the show. But I'm with you on that. I don't support the concept of this dishonesty and, and hurting people. And she wrecks some people. I mean, the woman that lost her job because she used her corporate American Express card. Uh, of course, she strikes back in her own way. Uh, it, it is a remarkable series that just grabs you from your throat from the beginning until the end. Uh, and she spent time right here in New Jersey, not far away from you and I, Christine and I team. I saw that. Yes.
7: Yeah, I, I saw that. And I, that's, that's interesting. I thought she was... For some reason, I just and I probably should know better. I thought she was at Rikers the whole entire time. Nope. It just kind of made it seem that way. Yes. Um, throughout the series, but even the reporter. Um, I mean, I, it's just it's a great cast. I don't want to give much away, but I highly, highly recommend watching this. This is probably one of my top. I would say definitely like top ten, possibly even top five shows on Netflix that I've ever watched. Oh, uh, I think it, I,
3: it's it's way up there with me, too. And how about her talent? This, and we're down to, I, you, I know you're the executive producer, but we're down to about 30 seconds in today's show. I hope that uh, I, I pleased you today with our performance. Um, after all, you are the executive not producer. out of the park. Oh, thank you. You really did. And
7: I, I have to say that, Trey interview i mean he just amazes me every time he comes on our show but that one was really good i mean
3: he's he is special give us your best 20 seconds on julia garner that she can play the ozark character with that twang and create that voice and play anna Sorokin, anna delvey real quick quick comment
7: i'll tell you this i didn't even know it until you told me that's how good it was i know
3: christine thanks for the honor of working with you today Thank you so much. On behalf of Christine, Wyatt, and Dan, this is The Guy Benson Show. See you next time.
0: Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy.
4: And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America.
2: Download from The Kitchen Table, The Duffy's, at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.